Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trident Wargaming. This is going to be what's somewhat deemed controversial, I guess, as an episode. It's uh, <laughs> We're going to be talking about match play, and I'm joined with uh, two special guests. I've got Alex. Hello. And then we've got a new guest. We've got Isaac. Hello, people. So Isaac is one of our, um, another one of the local gamer guys uh, in the group playing. He's quite proficient with his 40k decided to uh, jump on the hype train and roll into some sweet sweet heresy so it's uh it's been good he's been partaking in the slow grow and um having a decent time with the system he's he's uh coming along pretty good why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been on the hobby front for you isaac Oh well, since I've since I've never been on here, I'm not sure if I should like start from day one or just kind of do <laughs> it. And, <laughs> but I in guess the beginning, all, yeah. Back back in my day, um, I guess I'll just go the last week. So uh, I actually did something a little kind of crazy. Um, I remember I sent uh, Bill. I sent you that link to that uh, Green Stuff World yeah. dome light, and then you're you know you kind of put on the challenge. I can build you one of those. I can do one of those. So I just went off and built my own. Oh, nice! So I, I ordered uh, ordered some LED lights from from China, and then I just took some uh, foam foam core and cut up a little somewhat dome and just made my own lighting system. Um, and then I've got about thirty uh, headhunters, twenty Mark Six, five. Uh, Lanar and Terminators, five Tartarus Terminators, and Alpharius. I got them to 95, 99% done this week. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I've been trucking along. So I'm getting, I was saying to the guys earlier, I probably got about 15,000 points pretty much done. And then, you know, 2,500, 90% done. And then it's just another couple hundred. The full 3,000 will be done. Oh, that's that's killer. But that's uh, killer. but uh, <laughs> I uh, I was on when I was over at your place, Bill. You know, I tried out your airbrush again, and I'm like, God damn it! I'm I'm getting better at airbrushing. So I built I bought this. Uh, it's this tiny little compressor that actually attaches to the airbrush, and it's probably about the size of a Contemptor Dreadnought. This compressor. This is that handheld canister type one you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, okay. it's a, yeah, and uh, it, it'll go for about 30 minutes, oh, well. which, which is when I use it. That's all about about all I need. And it's just, you know, up to, up to the game for sure because, you know, for these uh, uh, Alpha Legion, I'm doing a lot of contrast paints. So Awesome. Nothing wrong with that. What's the price point? Uh, it was 105 106 and it comes with a compressor and an airbrush. Can't go wrong. Just to dip your toe in, right? To see. Yeah, and you know, and it's not, you know, it's like it's not an Iwata system or a, you know, 
or the top of the line type system, but it's it's good enough for you know a thirty minute you know OSL type deal or getting some contrast through an airbrush. Good to go. Oh, very nice. Is that like the little like box diaphragm one, or is it like a is it actually like a can that you plug into it? So yeah, so it just kind of screws into the bottom of the airbrush as as opposed to you know an actual um, airbrush line. Um, some of them do come with little line, like airbrush lines, and then it's still the small compressor you can have off to the side. But it's crazy quiet, you know, probably like a, I would guess, a 30, 35 decibel sound to it. Um, and uh, the one I got, you can, it has two settings, so it could be around, um, what is it, a PSI? Is that the... Yeah. So, yeah. so it's around, it can be around a 20 PSI, or you can put it to the second level, which is around 30 PSI, so... Which, you know, out here in the West, you know, we're, we're usually going around 20, 30 for PSI. Oh. Bill, what about you? <laughs> for hobby? You're just like, just taking a break? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's pretty much been break mode. Um, I was successful, as you've probably heard, um, on my 3K list, built and painted in three and a half weeks. Um have you been on here? Have you talked about that since the tournament? Since Just the, the yeah, the, last week there we had a uh, we had an episode kind of doing like an event recap and talked about it a little bit. We had a chuckle. I, I was joking. I was on the verge of divorce when I went back to the event in uh, Nanaimo because it was a lot of, a lot of late nights painting. Um, you know, my wife she was really she she's a pretty good sport about it, considering. Uh, the best sport about like it. Yeah, how yeah. how hardcore i had to go um there was a few days i was even questioning myself i was like i don't know if i'm gonna make this um, so like to put this in context for those of you who don't know this saint this woman not only put up the last three and a half weeks of like i gotta get this done for this event narrative she did put up with like almost a month and a half before that of like we just gotta paint 60 boxes of terrain for my own event narrative too so she has been dying on this cross for three months here yeah like, yeah we've got to tack on the fact that every weekend saturdays and sundays bill with some, some of the guys in the garage just working away yeah exactly it's been wild it's been a wild ride um you know, she's got my vote for uh, wife of the year for sure. Uh, Next time when we arrange the group, the group get together for dinner, we'll just bring her, not you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? She'd probably like that. She'd be like, "All right, I'm going out in her honor." Yeah. yeah. Oh man, we'd, we'd get another illustration done. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the fourth member of the trident. Oh shit! Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was really good. It was a big push. I have been taking a break um, just because it was just such a large amount uh, to crank through. Um, for those who are just listening in, if you don't know, yeah, it was it was fifty infantry, uh, which was I guess fifty marine bodies, I should say, uh, five terminators, two characters, and then I had six speeders, a dreadnought, and two sicarians. So it was, and don't uh, don't you know cut yourself short too because some of those um, troops were highly highly customized. Some were. There was a lot of building and just fiddling around, but uh, uh, it, it was a nice push. I was able to get everything done. Um, I'm slowly starting to unpack all the Marines and look at actually highlighting and taking them from a tabletop standard up to you know a 
quality, you know, um, above tabletop standard now. Um, cause I had to, I had to invest my time in certain spots. So to, uh, make it successful. And, uh, how about yourself, Alex? What have you been doing this last little while? Um, I'm a volume guy. So I, uh, I got, um, the Kratos kind of finished and painted. I, I don't know if I don't know if last time I was on here. I finished off all of my Palatines, uh, my Phoenix Guard, all my special characters uh, from AC. I, I got the Lucius arrived, uh, so I got him done with all the new heads. I had like 20, 20 oh, tacticals damn. without heads, so I finished off the heads for the 20 tacticals that had just been kind of sitting on the shelf. And then I built um, uh, nine Secutors, nine Myrmidon Destructors, and prime those, and I've got uh, a Thanatar Calyx here. Uh, just finished building and priming, and I've got uh, about two Kraknos, I think is the name for it, built so far out of the three that I that I had, and uh, two of the the transports, the Mechanicum transports. That's killer. So this is like like my three week update because I think it's the last time I was on. So been a busy bee. Yeah, busy bee. Well, you, you kind of spurred my uh, my paint blitz there. You and some of the new guys there on the uh, on the lodge because you know we're done. You know our first two months of gaming, guys were just cranking out army after army. People were getting like, and these are brand new players. They were getting you know thousand fifteen hundred point forces just whipped up, and then talking with Alex, he's like, oh yeah, you know I just cranked out my legion today, and I was like, what just base spraying everything and going through trim hell i was just like wow that's impressive so and i realized at this point i actually don't paint models i just paint base colors with highlights and trim that's all i do nice my life it's the way it is it's actually funny too because like painting this elf legion army it's the first time i'm not i haven't used ak and how it just feels like i didn't realize how dependent i'd become on using AK? You can. You can for sure. It, it's a great tool in the belt. It really is. You can perform some magic. It's like Streak and Grime? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I agree too. I like this is the kind of like my last two armies had a had a had a heavily weathered aspect to them. And this time like I wanted my members' children to be like bright and kind of pristine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading some lore before I started the army, and it was like they were on a moon meeting with some uh, world eaters, and like they were upset that they had like moon dust on their boots. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's the that's the that's the legion I want to play. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, I got a, a pile of like gimpy three arm, three boobed menials falling around, wiping <laughs> off their shoes. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Uh, well, I guess yeah. I guess that's a pretty solid update from uh, the hobby front. I suppose we probably kick in some of the meat and potatoes here. Uh, so one of the biggest things, uh, again, this episode is going to be all about that uh, sweet, sweet match play. And essentially, I guess to start it off, when you hear the term matched play, there is a definite uh, change in conversation I've noticed online 
Um, a lot of people seem to associate matched play with like hardcore competitive play or whack play or power gaming play. And I don't think that's necessarily the best way to define or describe what matched play is. Um, does anybody, I guess, you know, having you guys on, when you think of the term matched play, like what comes to your guys' mind? It's actually funny because I think I think this is a good thing to note is, you know, Bill, you had sent me some information and, and I had to ask you, I'm like, what is, what's WAAC stand for? Yeah. And you had to tell me that it's, you know, winning at all costs. I'm like, I, I and then as soon as you told me, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that because I started playing in seven. But it wasn't a term that was necessarily familiar to me or a term I'd heard in a long time since 8th and ninth edition came out. And maybe because that moved over to like meta chasing or match play in some people's minds or their, their thinking. But for me, it wasn't really a concept that isn't, around, it isn't necessarily around anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily see matched play as, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a smash list. You know, match match play is I see it as an evolved sense of a play style, as opposed to you know this is only for tournaments where people are bringing lists to smash each other. Um, that's pretty fair. Uh, I was going to say something. I coughed. Sorry. Um, what I was going to say is uh, I think for for me, match play means um, an evening of the scales when two people set up armies on a table. Um, that they can come to a game with the same expectations. There's like leading up to, you know, fourth and fifth and in, in 40k and, and tail end of a uh, first edition for uh, heresy. There's a lot of talk about like the social contract. You just got to be clear with the social contract. You got to be clear with the type of game you want to play. Make sure you, you guys line up your social contract. Um, but what I found with the evolution of match play uh, in the last couple of years with 40k, what it did is it did that for you. It, it comes mm -hmm. so that you you have a set of terms uh, that you come to the table with and a certain set of expectations that you come to a table with that everyone's on the same page. Um, and you don't have or you have less uh, a chance of the feel badsies event um, when you're playing a match play game because that is the expectation here are the rule sets you know and again it, it stems right from we'll talk about like the taxonomy and the words we use to describe the things that we're doing all the way down to um uh an even mission set so that we can we both have the same chance of scoring the both same chance of playing the game we want to play um not just to win but to have an even game at the yeah, end of the day 100 percent. i think i want to i'm going to piggyback on some of the things alex said too is in 40k now it's just become you know are you do you want to do competitive do you want to do semi-comp and then that's kind of like your two playing styles no one really uses the term fluffy anymore i don't think um so when you're showing up to the table it's like oh you know let's do semi-comp cool you know exactly what that means you know exactly um you know the, the play style you know the missions you know your secondary objective choices all that's been predetermined you're just kind of showing up with the list you've got the other guy's showing up the list he's got, and you're gonna you're gonna play it out and have fun. And it's not, you know, in seventh edition, I remember showing up a lot to, you know, the local club, and uh, you know, I brought my list, the other guy brought his list, and either I got smashed, he got smashed, or we played it out and it was a close game. It was it was a flip of the coin between all of those. Whereas with 
with 40 right now because of the, the missions and the secondaries and all those kinds of things, you, you could show up at a game, look at a guy's who your opponent's list and think, oh, he's going to smash me. I'm going to pick some secondary so I don't have to interact with him as much. And then it ends up being a close game when you were where you were going to get smashed. Like I think, like match play for me, especially more recently, the evolution in in 40k is the, um, you know, the, it's the evolution of a rule set that allows um, any type of list to play and be successful. And I think that was the big key with 40k, like, and it's and it's massive surge in popularity, is that you know you can play a 150 marine um, tactical list and choose your secondaries properly and play the mission objectives and primaries and still have a close game with like the the biggest dick kicker lists uh, that are out there you know whether it's Votan here more recently or or dark dark elder three months ago or you know just like and again gw hasn't done a great job of balancing against match play upon release but they have done a really good job about balancing match play as they go and i think that's key Matchplay allows you to do that. Allows you that system of nuance to kind of like, how can we allow these people to play the list they want to play to to have that narrative feel? Whether it's like you want to play the full dreadnought list, or you want to play the full knight list, or you want to play the full tactical list, and still be able to set up your models and have a game where you can compete, you have a chance of winning, and you can enjoy the experience. Well, I think I think there's something important things to point out as well that. Um, when, when it comes to 40k and the, and the matched play system, um, they've changed their force arg charts, force arg charts from in, in previous editions. So there's way more options than there used to be. So it's not like, you know, I, I'll use a good example. Uh, Bill had that 1500 um, 30k tournament. And my first opponent was an all tank list. Scared the crap out of me. It ended up being a really fun game and, and it ended up being really, really close. But initially, your first reaction is, do I even want to play this? Whereas in 40k, because of the four star charts and the way it is, you're probably never ever going to go up against something like that. Um, so it just creates this this dichotomy of, of when, when you're showing up at a game and when your opponent's showing up at a game, it feels more on par. And you can show up with, I'm going to do an all-recon army. And I'm just going to do a lot of, uh, you know, back-end type stuff and shooting and all that kind of stuff. And then when you show up at the table, you're going to pick secondaries that help accommodate that. So the list might not be super, super strong, but you're picking secondaries that will help that list. Which thematically plays into the playstyle you want to play for that particular list or army. That's, that's always, yeah, that's a good point to throw it like that. I've always found... Um, like when I when I'm thinking about uh, match play and the way it's actually you know um, thought about or talked about in game is it's essentially to echo Alex's point here it, it's to create this balance between players and to ensure that everybody's having the same chance. I know a lot of people who want to play these games to the point where I don't want to table a guy in a turn or two turns. I want it to go to like, you know, turn five. We were rolling off for turn six because we both need it to happen. And it's not a blowout type game. It's, you know, within one to two uh, victory points. And those kind of make, I think, some of the most memorable and the most like intense games that you can play 
and those are good solid games that's that's what i like you know that's what i think of when it's match play is like these as even keels the armies can get um with a, again the same understanding because we're using that that type of language um one thing that i've noticed uh from 40k is you know they they've done a good job at the balancing as they go like alex has said especially with like um you know the restrictions or clamping down on the uh, rule of three having three of one particular data slate you know um, to a maximum for any unit which is nice it does create a balance uh, I, I think playing match play style games yes you you do you do play competitive games when you're playing that way but it creates a ceiling I think where everybody can learn what units can do what what's the maximum damage that these things can do how crazy can these combos get and only with data like that knowledge of that particular you know style of play that allows you to really branch out and get exposure to these types of armies or combos now we can determine where things might be a little bit too good or a little too crazy and you start dialing them back to try and create that better balance um, for like a, a healthier game system in a sense um, when i saw the book uh, preview drop for titanicus it's kind of what spurred the whole conversation about this like episode is like i'm almost positive this is coming for heresy in the next little while and i, I think it's going to be a great thing it'll be huge for the system because it's going to allow to be able to you know collect some of this data from these games and make a step towards a healthier game system by reining in some units that might be a little too crazy uh you know example be it brutal three on a contemptor too crazy it's pretty wild uh could it get trimmed back probably but at least you know they can start coming up with these updates just like they have been doing for 40k to continue to support uh, that play style and um, you know support the system and ultimately make it better well i think i think you touched on a on something really important in what you were saying there bill is for me the number one benefit of match play is data it it allows data to be tracked because then that system is getting used more in tournaments across the board so they can every single tournament is using that style of play so it's way easier to compare in terms of how things are going you know between here and germany and florida and australia it's just everyone's playing the same system so that data is a lot cleaner and truer um it also allows uh for really good tracking systems because if if that's going to be across the board being used then you know bcp it's a lot easier to track there's the um formerly the itc battles app which got booted, bought out by Boot Goonhammer, which is going to be turning into the Tabletop Battles app, which is a, uh, a tracking system for when you're just playing games not at tournaments. And then that data goes to Goonhammer, so Goonhammer can see, oh, this unit's getting used a lot, this unit's uh, really good. That data more than likely is going to and being seen by GW. Uh, GW just put out their, um, their meta-chasing um, 
uh, articles for AOS and 40K where they talk about how how they're using data, how they're looking at data, how they're assessing it, how they're reviewing it. And basically from what I got from that is, you know, my impression is they're, you know, around 80% is data driven and then 20% or something like that is probably them talking to tournament organizers and other players. So they're using, so it's not just clear cut numbers and it's not just clear cut somebody saying, I don't like this unit because it beat me or I don't like this army because it did this. Okay, but it needs to be backed up. It needs to be reinforced. You need some numbers to 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 give that, as opposed to just people sending in, you know, as it is right now, a random email on a unit they don't like, or why why they don't like it, or I'm angry because this unit beat me. Point to me on the dark arm where the Fulmentaris Terminators touched you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. Like I haven't even played them yet. I've heard I've heard they're the boogeyman, but I I, I need to get my own. I need to get my own even assessment of how I think about those terminators and if I even think they're bad or not, just as opposed to just somebody saying it and not having the data to back that up. And just to your point, like <clears throat> it shouldn't really matter even what, what that opinion is at the end of the day, it should be, it should be 10,000 test games or 10,000 games by, you know, yeah. 150 different players across a massive geographic area telling you that, you know, brutal two AP two plasma shots off a terminator are either balanced or not balanced or you know whatever the boogeyman is whether it's uh uh fear of the ancients lists or knights or you know and again like i guarantee you like the communities the community has been very knee-jerk and everything gets done because this is a new mm -hmm. system so far mm -hmm. um just wait till the custodies comes out like yeah. um if anything we've seen so far about a brutal weapons um rolling or moving wounds around in models has been the case in other armies it's going to be the exact same case with custodies and they're going to be t5 three four wound each models and with brutal two weapons and then you know what is the community going to do then is it going to ban everything like again without data um the 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 focus goes back to like you know like exactly what i said earlier is where where, where on the diagram did the you know iron havocs or the fear of the ancients list touch you why was it inappropriate? It just doesn't fit with how um, it actually doesn't fit with modern wargaming now. And 40k, I think, has shown us that what what match play can do and what a data driven, data focused um, match play system can do for not just a game type, but for the entire the entire field of wargaming right now. Well, and I think too, like you know, as soon as you buy a GW model, you've bought a license to complain. Anybody, anybody that buy, plays in the, with a GW product loves to complain about the hobby. Playing the game, building the game, and complaining is all, it's all wrapped up into one. And, uh, and the, the thing is, is what the internet's done is it's allowed that to be amplified massively. Massively. So you're hearing some kind of, sometimes you're hearing niche opinions or niche um, examples of things. Whereas, you know, People might be complaining about one thing, but maybe it's only 100 people complaining about that one thing, but they're just the most vocal about it. And it's not actually as big a deal as, as, as it actually is, or maybe it's even worse than they're complaining about it. But data will help reinforce that. Data will help prove that point. Um, you know, because right now a lot of people are complaining about 40K in a lot, of, a lot of ways, but they're not complaining about the match play system. They're complaining about the codex releases and the and the the... the the way that they're coming out and, and the and the bloat that's happening to them, they're not com they're not complaining about the core system or, or the missions, which is what the match play system is built upon. 
Um, I think too, one of the things I'll, I'll kind of just throw it there is, you know, I, my background is marketing. I work in marketing and whenever we send out emails, we do AB testing. So we'll change one thing, do an AB test. Okay. This email did better. This, this one's what's going out to everybody. And then for the next three or four emails, test that again, again, and again, that one thing. And then you finally got your answer back on that. Okay. Let's test one more different thing. And you can't just go to GW and say, we need to make all of these changes because you don't know how all of those changes are going to react or change something. So if they've got thousands and thousands of games getting tested with match play, getting all that data, they get a clear cut answer. Okay. This one thing is bad because of this. We can change that for sure. This one thing is bad because uh, it got tested this much. We, we know to change that for sure. So they can make those incremental changes as opposed to just making drastic, a whole bunch of changes at once and then maybe screwing the game up again. That is just, I don't know, I'll, I can't i can't say it enough how, how important I feel data is. Well, it's just, it's allowing, allowing the actual, I guess, developers to make educated decisions instead of just, like, knee-jerk based on initial, you know, initial thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's informed decision-making versus um, opinion decision-making, really, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, the thing is, too, is we hear a lot of people in the community, this needs to get changed to this, this needs to get changed to that. It's not your job. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to put it that way, but GW, all the guys who work there are professional games writers and games designers. It's their job, and they're still trusting in the, and using the data to enforce their decision-making process as opposed to just having, like you said, a knee-jerk reaction. I think the other thing, too, that... Uh that match play does it like it kind of goes down to the next point we had you had written down here bill is is it you know establishing the language the players can use um you know when when you do talk about you know kpis for winning versus losing in um in a set codex or codex range like you know this this specific faction of of space marines is overperforming let's look at that and you could start to measure that out um and you start to have that same terminology effect at the game level, like you know when you're talking about missions being the same across it. You start to have that same that feeds into the data set consistently, so that we're all talking the same language. So when data has been processed, and it says like here's the effect of of X change based on the data, you can say, oh hey, like I've seen that in my games. This is how it feeds back into what I'm doing. And this secondary is too strong. I've seen that effect, or this this primary doesn't work out properly. Um, you know, and, and we see this, you know, even in uh, the last event that you, you arranged, Bill, where we went to progressive scoring, uh, a relatively, you know, not very modern now, but uh, definitely modern for, for heresy, um, progressive scoring on primaries. And it literally it changed the entire dynamic of those very scary lists. You know, to, to Isaac's point, like the full vehicle list at 1,500 points is a bit of a tough list to tackle if you don't have, you know, if you're not building for it. The Iron Havocs list, you know, uh, for 1,500 is a tough list. Unless, hey, that guy has spent 1,000 points on heavy choices. He doesn't have he doesn't have any scoring units. Suddenly, progressive scoring makes a big difference in a game like that. And again, you can see that, like, hey, progressive scoring mission objectives suddenly changes the meta, changes the data set, so we can all like, oh, hey, yeah, this is like, these lists that are, are scary aren't as scary. And we can come to a table and sit across from someone who's got a you know a scary list that you've heard about on the internet, and 
the mission allows you to sit down and have a, a decent game with that that list and not feel like you're getting blown off the table yeah like i can i can show up look at that list and be like oh shit i'm gonna change my normal secondaries into these secondaries so i don't have to maybe be out in the open or interacting with these units that are just gonna wipe me off the table i can be a little bit more strategic and nuanced in terms of how i'm moving around how i'm scoring and it still feels like i'm playing the game yeah and and the thing is too is like for 30k they made a very strategic point of adding line the keyword line to units why <laughs> why is it there like obviously it's there to score and uh, score and be objective secured but in the current rule set in the current match places or well i'll just say g30k's current match play system is the core rule book uh there's not a lot of objective security does that mean you're getting us ready for a match play rule book coming out hopefully i hope so yeah it's it, it's true um i do think the progressive scoring has a very big place um in the current like heresy uh, missions i know the one that i can think of specifically is dominion uh, that's in the book and that's very much like a jump start you gotta start scoring points early and essentially uh hang on to those you know uh objectives you can continue scoring so you can actually you know uh score enough points to beat the opponent but you know death stars and the heavy shooting and um, the squads or I guess the list that are really minimum online they have to table you that's the only way they're gonna beat you is by tabling you off the off the board because they, they don't have the resources or the units to actually perform well at that mission and I don't know if the easy fix is to make every mission like that I, I would say no you still want to have the crapshoot where kill points can be a thing um, but, you know, if 50, 60% of the missions were like that, or even 50%, let's just say, I think it would change the game enough to the point where there would become a balancing act. Because you know half the time you're going to play a kill point style game, half the time you're going to play a progressive scoring type game. Okay, well, you know what? You're going to try and take lots of troops, but minimizing your kill points... Um, it's going to be, I think, a lot more balanced approaches to lists. You can still get some of the one-off, weird, kind of janky lists, like a Furies of the Ancient or a um, Armored Spearhead list, right? You can have those popping out no matter what, but they will well, probably struggle against a more balanced list, um, depending on missions, right? But the thing is, too, is, is to me, that's the beauty of secondaries. Because you can have your primary scoring, and then you can have secondaries that go towards the playstyle you want to have your army be. So if you want to have a run up the board, I want to get into melee and destroy your entire army, maybe there's two secondaries as options to help reinforce that and to get you points for doing that. Or maybe I want to play a shooting army where I'm super coy, I'm hiding a lot. I don't really want to get too close to you because you're going to smash me off the table if I do. There are secondaries that accommodate that. Yeah. So you can always have the progressive scoring, but then you have secondaries that... It's the second, secondaries is where the flavor is. Because yeah. the progressive scoring is just super generic, getting points where you, where you can, when you can. 
it's the secondaries that really give your your list, your legion, your army the flavor you want it to have. Nice. I think too, one kind of thing I'm going to kind of throw a little topic off off the cuff here that kind of came up while we were talking is how did how did we get to this point where where 30k is where it is in terms of its missions and play style and 40k is now so different in its mission style and play style and for when i look at 40k 40k is the evolution created by the itc system the um at the the international tournament what is it international tournament community international tournament that was the international tournament circuit but circuit yeah circuit. Yeah. So, so basically, in seventh edition, and I don't know if it happened sooner, they started making extra secondaries for missions, um, and then which blew up in eighth edition, and then GW took it over and that system and now just made it a part of their normal game system for ninth edition, and I maybe the tail end of it, I can't remember for sure, but that, that never really happened with thirty k. Thirty k has always been that original from first edition to seventh edition. Uh, one one force org chart. Uh, these are the six missions in the book. It hasn't really changed from that. And I don't know if that's because people want to play necessarily 30k in a different way. If people see tournament as the big bad boogeyman, or if people would just prefer to play narrative thematic styles in 30k. You guys can, you know, it's the there's a lot of. Um... There's a lot of support and there's a lot of player base that are um, very much dedicated to the narrative style of play for Heresy. Um, and I, I can very much appreciate that considering you're telling a story with your army and, you know, it's about the journey, not about the destination. But the same can be said for, like, match play games as well. Yeah, I we, we we know what we're heading towards, but there still is a journey that we have to partake together. Um, again, you know, touching base on that social contract, and you want to be a good opponent for your your opponent, right? Like that's I think that's the biggest thing is you know having a respectable game. You know, the 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 gentleman gamer essentially, right? Like. Both people want to play with, you know, a knowledge um, base. No one really wants to get hit with a gotcha moment. And I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of top tier players that you do play will be pretty forthcoming with what's going on because, you know, they've played enough high, high level games. Hey, have you ever played this list before? Okay, this happens, this happens, this happens. All right, cool. Right. And a lot of people, um, Cooper always comes to mind when I talk about it is, um, you know, narrating what you're doing when you're playing to eliminate any any issues um so he was really good at talking it out as he's moving all right so yeah i'm gonna move outside my transport okay i'm moving here if i go to assault you uh i'm gonna need a 10 inch charge you agree and you're like look yeah i agree okay cool and then you've already skipped the you know the bs later of hey you know is it a 10 inch charge well, i don't know man looks a little long like you've already cut that out completely and it's nice because just doing that in standard games, you build into this habit of wanting to narrate throughout your game the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it helps not only 
you know veteran players know exactly what you're doing but it helps I, I i found it helps with just new people everybody in general just to keep up on uh rules you know you're firing all right yeah 12 inch and with rapid fire you know looks like this many cool all right i'm gonna need threes to hit i'm gonna look you know strength four t4 four is the wound and you're just rolling it out talking but everybody's on the same same place you can actually look away grab something and you can still hear the guy talking and you already know like what he's been doing um it's just it's nice that i've always appreciated being able to play against them and instantly being like wow this is how i want to play all my games it's funny that you mentioned that because i i feel like when the match play system really came into effect with eighth and ninth edition it it really promoted the social contract yeah. When I was when I was playing in seventh edition, no one was really talking through their move. No one was really saying, "I'm I'm moving here. I'm going to be this close." Well, there's a lot of heads down I, and rolling yeah, dice. I felt like, I felt like there was a lot more there was a lot more gotchas that happened. But as soon as eighth and ninth came out, those went by the wayside. People were talking a lot more. People were interacting a lot more. I'm moving here because of this. I'm not touching this piece of terrain because I don't want this to happen. And I don't know if that's been reinforced by. Uh, YouTube, so many YouTube channels now pushing their their gameplay and talking through as they play. But I just feel like the social contract has been very much improved in terms of the 40k play style. Not to say that, not, I'm not, and by saying that, I'm not trying to say that 30k doesn't have that. But I felt I feel like matched play helped reinforce that and push that even more so. I think, like, uh, at the risk of <laughs> risk of devil's advocating here, uh, um, because I think I think you know anyone who's listening to this that is definitely on who's who's used the word whack to describe people in their community or online, um, and you know talked about how this list is bullshit and people that play it are assholes or whatever it is. Um, there's a there's a history here I think we do have to recognize, and that is. Um, somewhat of how the 30k community actually grew in the late 2000s and that was the result of fifth edition 40k being a very death starry whack type list building game where um because gw had honestly just basically produced fifth edition and then just forgot about it for four years and stopped doing updates stopped doing you know any type of faq drops you know we were seeing a codex uh, released every two to three years, potentially if you were lucky, five to ten years if you were unlucky. Hashtag Sisters of Battle or Dark Dark Elder. Mm -hmm. um, and so the player base was left to fend for itself and over an evolution of time had built the best list. They had condensed the rule set down to like, hey, what do we need? We need like a two plus invulnerable or re-rolling invulnerable save, you know, high AP weapons, you know, uh, transports that block uh, line of sight. And the, the game kind of moved towards that. And <clears throat> as a result, it drove a lot of the people out of 40K and into 30K. And so the community in 30K evolved from people that hated that type of gameplay in 40K. And as a result, stayed in 30K where they, they hung out with their buddies, they rolled dice, no one really cared about the rules too much because we were all just kind of like, you know, in our safe space away from the 40K gamers who had wrecked uh, wargaming for us mm -hmm. and uh, again I, I i say that because i i was i i was kind of one of them i had i had two or three really bad um fifth edition tournament um experiences where uh you know like i i 
one I got a rule wrong and the guy like immediately called me a cheater and reported me to the TO and I had to explain like this is my second game ever in fifth edition <laughs> and like walk my self through it and another one was a guy who just like was had a real dick kicker list and he was like I rolled this dice you can't do anything about it but I kill this unit and you're like uh okay great thanks thanks buddy and it was a real poor experience overall i started playing with the 30k community around edmonton here and like the guys just you were much more accepting we're you know again i think we were ahead of the curve on like we wanted to play competitive games but we didn't want to sacrifice the culture of the community for it and that's kind of how it evolved but the reality is is like the community online and a, a greater part of the community in the 30k group uh, that, that are online and, and, and that exist in the world right now are refugees from the 40k community circa 2005 to 2012. And mm. um, that's where a lot of those opinions are really coming from. It's like anything that even hints of uh, a list building to win or list building to get one up on your opponent immediately starts gendering these feelings of, of of negativity in the community and they react to it very viscerally that's i think that's i yeah. think you make an incredibly good point because that's actually my you just pointed on my fear of why people are would be adamantly against matched play is because of those old situations those old things that happened and not that they were completely 100 percent valid at the time um but i, I feel like with where match play is now, which how it's evolved, with how it's how it's helped 40k, it, it could only do things but help 30k. So you just hope that, you know, I, I was I'm always trying to figure out how to how to word this in a, in a in a good way, in a proper way, where it's like match play isn't something to hear or to think about and, and immediately just knee jerk reaction. No, I don't want to do that. No, that's not how I want to play it's it's just a, it's a system it's not telling you how you need to build your lists it's not telling you you can't have a fluffy list or a super thematic list it's just a it's a clear clear way and system of, of scoring points and i think to like to kind of i think the greatest the greatest you know the, the, the saying is the greatest trick the devil uh, ever played as you know to convince people it doesn't exist or whatever it is <laughs> i think i think the greatest trick the internet plays on us as a community both in 30k and 40k is to convince us that the narrative guys are an ocean apart from the match play guys mm -hmm. and i think the reality is is that we're all actually way closer than um that i think anyone actually admits and i think the difference is the volume of play to be absolutely honest i say like if you if you run into the hardcore narrative guys from from sweden or or uh or even england versus the more matched play focused guys uh from australia or or north america i think the reality of those people's lists are actually not too far apart and i think how they play the game is actually not too far apart um but when they're talking to each other on you know a, a facebook comment about list building um you would think that these people would stab each other in the face if they got to see each other for the first time like they like it's just it's so oh, it's, it's so visceral like, it's true and the reality is is like we've talked to we've talked to the guys in sweden we've talked to the guys in australia we've talked to the guys in north america uh and in england and the reality is is we're all building similar lists because we all like the game and we all play it roughly the same way that's the reality well, of it well and it's funny that you mentioned that because like you know i'm a newbie to 30k but the one thing that has really stood out to me just from the short time I've been in it is how huge the divide is 
just between two words, match play and narrative, and just how adamant people are in terms of how they want to play and the other play is not the other way is not good. But you you know, you bring up a really good point where maybe you're maybe you're actually playing match play and you don't even know it. Well and and like it's 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 yeah it's ridiculous really when you think about it because like I said like we're we're not too far apart. Um and the guys that are playing narrative and the guys that are playing match play, the only difference is in their own heads how they how they perceive the game that they're being played. As long as they're both having fun, I think they're both accomplishing the same goals. Like and that's really all board gaming is at the end of the day. And what? and and no match play system or hardcore narrative system is going to remove the fact that there will be poisonous toxic assholes in all these groups yeah. that exist. Preach to it kick your face in or force you to play the way they want to play slash gatekeep in a way uh that fits their personal way of how they want to have fun and damn the community and well, um, those people I'm, exist on both sides i'm going to get a little controversial here um the the thing the thing no one ever likes is being told they can't no one no one likes saying you can't take this you can't take that you can't play with this you can't play with that and from some of the narrative, you know, quote, I'm doing air quotes when I say that. Some of the narrative tournaments, and I'm just going to come right in and say it, the Las Vegas Open, is saying you can't take particular units because it's not a part of this game system. You can't take Primarchs, you can't take named characters, and as soon as you start hearing, you can't, you can't, you can't, like you, you got into the game because you want to hear it. You can, you can, you can. You can play with a Primarch. You can play with this named character. You can play with that crazy thing because you want to try it out and see how it goes. So, I I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. But when I when I look at match play, there's nothing in match play that says look in 40k match play doesn't say you can't play with Mortarian if you if you want. You can't play with um, uh, Gilliman if you want. You can. But if you're playing in more of a narrative style system, they might say you can't. And all of a sudden, well, then that's no fun. Like I got into 30k because I want to play with a primer. Well, that's didn't didn't like Gulliman in 40k. No, no, I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying if you play match play, you can play with them. Yeah, I'm just being that's, funny. Sorry. Those are those are kind of like list restrictions to help sell, like for what is going on specifically right with uh lvo he's like they're using that particular um list building or we'll just say that that frame or or you know uh restrictions to help sell their story depending on how they're wanting to actually incorporate all the players into the overarching narrative that they have for that particular event um so it, and that's the thing that that's where you start to really come into these different um, styles of play, because the one thing, and and this is not a shot at the narrative. This is um, just in general. I always find like the narrative games are fun. They're 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 cool to play, but I don't want it to be the focus of. Or the scapegoat for the loss, if that makes sense. 
Um, let me try and explain myself. So, you know, we're both playing a game. Uh, you took a wacky kind of crazy narrative style list. I'm taking whatever. Like, and that's the thing. Narrative is subjective to everybody. So it's one of the reasons I, I don't like that term to be very specific. But so we're both playing an, a narrative type game. And if you made like a, a blunder call as a general and you kind of pissed away the whole match on this one gamble, it's easier to just slough it off as well. You know, it's just the narrative and blah, blah, blah versus like owning the loss or owning the reason like why you lost. And, and I feel that that's sometimes maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's kind of like a, a, a way that guys feel comfortable where they don't really care about the win loss. Like that might help keep it kind of like more lighthearted where, you know, every game I've ever lost, I've always tried to learn something from it. And that's why I really always um, strive to have these after game talks about, you know, okay, where did this go? Where did it go wrong? What did I do wrong? And how can I minim like minimize the mistakes that I'm making in the future? Because obviously I made a bad call on this point and I shouldn't have risked that charge or I, you know what I mean? Like that's how I like to break down the games. And I, I think the narrative can be sometimes that scapegoat of like, well, you know, I lost because I, I took a, like really narrative list and I hamstringed myself and it's like, yeah, but I don't know. It, it's that, that's, that's my personal thought. Agree or disagree. I, that's kind of how I see it, but I just, well, you, you can even show up at a table and be like, Oh, I'm playing. Um, I'm playing the ultramarines. Oh, I'm playing the ultramarines. We can't fight each other. Maybe it's a training exercise. Like you, maybe it's, maybe these, these guys are elf legion in disguise. Like you can come up with narrative on the spot. You can, in terms of, right? You can. Like that, that option is there. No one, no one is telling you you can't do that. No, and uh, don't get me wrong. I, th I think a narrative to help sell your list is, is it's nice. It spices it up a little bit. Um, I we actually like when I went to the Boys of the Golden Throne event. I had a narrative for my actual list, and uh, you know, to help support the choices that I took, um, which was very themed. I was basing it off of a fourth company. Um, Imperial Fist Force, and in 40k, the fourth company is in charge of guarding the phalanx. And for my 30k fluff, it was basically they're using all this experimental prototype weaponry because everything in my army had an assault cannon that could. If it had the option, I paid for it to take it. Um, but the whole army was taking this specific um, uh, style, or it was being built in this way because the fluff was my fourth company's job was to punch a hole to help Dorn evacuate with the Emperor from Terra to make it to the Phalanx. And that's why they're using all the experimental weaponry just to punch a hole. That's what their job was. And, you know, after that obviously failed or didn't happen, uh, they got, you know, reassigned to the Phalanx in 40k. So it kind of helps build that overarching you know story of that that's how i built my list and that's the head cannon i had for my stuff um but you know that's you can go as deep as you'd like but it just it still is nice to help support it but I, i'd still run that list in in match play games and it wasn't abusive it was it was still fun to play against so it's i've always liked the t like the way the match play actually rolls out 
I think that Games Workshop has a lot of hidden potential here because we can have Warzone books dropping like the match play books that are coming out. I know currently 40k is at like a six month season. They have a season. These are the secondaries. We're going to change them. Um, that might be a little bit too rapid fire for 30k right now. But, you know, even if you had a once a year, um, you know, uh, Legion of Stardis update or whatever, and it actually tweaked points here and there based on some tournament play, like, I, th I think that'd be the best thing for the system moving forward to start really trying to cultivate, like, a very healthy, organic system that can, that can grow and play and... Um, reduce the feels bads, reduce the gotchas or some of the BS units or we were just talking about Huskarls today. I'm like, wow, like Huskarls are pretty cheap. Um, squad of five, you know, you're bulking them out with Solarite gauntlets. They're only 325. And even like, to me, that's super cheap for what they do. Uh, considering their weapon skill five, they have uh, battle hardened now. It, it, that squad could easily jump up to 375. Like, all in, so an extra fifty points, or even go to four hundred, and it would still be starting. Would be good. Three twenty-five starting, and then yeah, if you buy Solarite Gauntlets, it'd be yeah three seventy-five. But it, it would, it would still be taken because that squad's very good. Um, but at least you would yeah, have some you know, data to support it, right? And you'd know. I was just gonna say, you'd, I think you just pointed a perfect example. Like right now, that's your opinion. Yeah. What does is that a right opinion? Is that a wrong opinion? Yeah. Data will help reinforce that if it's right or wrong. Yeah. And only matched only matched play can actually truly do that because because right now there's no way to track the the games. Yeah. So and the thing too is is like you know I think I think you're right. I think a year system for for the missions is a good idea. Uh, right now, GW with 40k every uh, twice a year they put a, a, a balanced data sheet with points that could be really beneficial. Data would help reinforce that. Uh, sorry, Alex, you were saying something. I was just gonna say, like, to for me personally, to the defining reason as to why I support match play in in Heresy or really any system, I think, is uh, I look at GW's change here with supporting its product, supporting a match play environment, and ITC was was gaining popularity even before uh, GW hopped on the bandwagon. Um, the resurgence in 40k in that community has been astronomical and you can see it you know whatever metric you want to use you can look at our local rtt's the fact that we went from three to four rtt's a year in in alberta the province here to 12 to 16 um and we're one province you can see it in if you want to look at uh, gw stock and earnings calls every quarter um if you want to look at it at the popularity and sales of local game stores uh and the amount of product they're moving for for 40k right now um anything i would support anything that would help the 30k community grow and evolve like that no matter what it was because it's it's positive more people in the community is a positive change uh and if match play gets us there that's what i want well, I, I think too, like when like forty k is their flagship line, probably followed by AOS, and then after that, I'm not really sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't put thirty k necessarily third after AOS, just because it didn't really like it had its player base and there wasn't a lot of new stuff coming out, so they were probably making a lot of money from it. But if if it gets more players, 
if it gets uh if it shows because let's let's put it gw is a company they need to make money and they need to show profit and they need to show profit to their shareholders and then they, they need to show uh the ability to make profit from certain product lines if, if 30k shows the fact oh we can we can actually make some good money from this line they're gonna they're gonna put more money behind it you know as the as the salesman saying goes you've got to spend money to make money and um so if 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 it's shown to gw that people will support 30k people will buy products for 30k um and and if match play is going to help do that then you're going to get more players into 30k it's going to get pushed harder you're going to get cool cooler cooler newer models you're going to get a lot of those forger models that are that are super old and super updated into plastic which is happening with some of them right now but you'll get way more into that you'll get way more characters potentially in, in plastic um so it, it just overall it's it's better for the player it's better for the hobby and it's better for the company mm. which you know just creates that ongoing you know lion king circle of life <laughs> situation where they'll keep supporting it you'll keep supporting it and then maybe you know it becomes on par with with aos and it becomes a bigger line for them i don't think any line will ever get as big as 40k but you know you can try I can imagine it's it's got to be doing quite well. Like from what I've heard, Heresy's above expectations, which is nice. Like even locally, if we're using it as like a litmus test, um, on average, we've we've only ever had you know between twelve to fourteen people in a league at any given time, and just since the drop of two point that number has swelled to twenty six people. And these are people who are actively, not everyone at one time, but we have groups of these people who are coming out for slow grow games. So if that's happened in the overall, like, greater, greater community and people are noticing, like, a, you know, 35, 40% increase in player base, um, to me, that's just a, another positive thing, uh, especially if you're going to have events starting to roll out and support it. Um, there's a number of events just happening year round and obviously there's going to be more coming as the system gets popular. It's just, it, it's heresy's in the cusp. It's at the cusp of something really, really good. I think is around the corner. Um, we have something good now and I just, I only think it can just, it can only keep getting better. So I kind of wanted to, to throw something out too. It's, it's uh, just because I've, I've been a little, you know, I will. I will say I've been very opinionated here, and uh, you know, people people may have liked or not liked what I've said, or maybe I've pissed people off, or maybe people have been high fiving in the air. Um, but I had a really good conversation with a local game store owner on just the simple one simple word of fun, and you know, your idea of fun might be different than someone else's idea of fun. You know, I can say. You know, when I show up at a table, I want both players to, to walk away and they had fun. But what actually does that even mean? Does that mean both players walked away happy? Does that mean both players, somebody somebody definitely won and beat the other guy? The game was super close. One guy smashed another guy. Everybody has a different interpretation of the, of the word fun. And so I think just being able to find a way so that that becomes on par for the most people possible. If that's match play, that's fantastic. If it's if it's not, and there's another way to do it, hopefully that works too. But you just want to have it so that you know that term "fun" is just more of a parody term for everybody, 
that I'm and, and I'm hoping match play does that for the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, I think they kind of nailed it. Honestly, like um, I, I'm hoping if you're still with us that the episode has maybe shed a little bit of light on just the the, the match play system and the benefits of it. I, I I don't want people to vilify the definition or the term or that style of play um, just because there is so many pros to it that. Um, disregarding it completely I, I think is just very um, very negative for any type of growth or you know progression in the system so I think the more uh, open-minded people can be and moving forward and looking at you know I may not like that term I may not like you know the style of play that it brings out of a select few people um, but if you know you can get behind that it will no doubt create a healthier stronger game system with less shenanigans and gotchas they maybe you know consider that it's actually um, something you might enjoy uh, especially if it's improving gameplay and improving fun for both players like isaac mentioned well and i, th I think two things i want to add too is 40k even has the crusade system and it, and it has the, um, I don't know if it's Maelstrom or whatever, but they've got that card system. Oh, uh, Tempest. Yeah, Tempest, Tempest War, yeah. where, you, where you pick three cards and you've got to try to do those to score points. Like, So that even shows, you know, 40k, because of its popularity, because of more people coming in and match play, creating that ripple effect, they supported the game in other ways. Yeah. There's, there's nothing saying that they can't do that for 30k. No, it's true, 100%. 100%. So yeah, so I hope people I hope people took some positives from this and uh, uh, you know, hopefully they see the benefits and hopefully they see that uh, it, it's not a boogeyman, it's it's not trying to ruin however you like to play the game, hopefully it'll just amplify and improve however you want to play the game. Yeah, the only boogeyman in Horus Heresy is Ferris Manus with Brutal 3. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Just make sure you run in first children and that'll solve the problem. Maybe. <laughs> can't brutal me if you can't hit me. And That's if you true. brutal me, we're still into it. It's true. It's true. So well awesome. Yeah. Um thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope the episode uh was good. If you've got questions, comments, if you wanna address anything that we said on the show, hit us up, let us know. We will respond to them in writing or if you have something you really want us to touch base on, I'll open up a segment right in the beginning. I can, you know, cut out the hobby spot and just answer questions legit live and uh, you know, try and go from there. And yeah, if you've got questions or anything for Isaac or Alex, either or, let us know. Um, I'm sure they'd be happy to answer your questions as well. And uh, yeah, just thanks for uh, dropping in and listening. We will catch you next time. Stay heresy positive. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.